This time tomorrow, the Fed will have decided, and the assumption is that they will hold, but for how long? Bond yields are pushing higher in the US today, interestingly lower in the UK. So what's driving this jitteriness? Is it the looming prospect of $100 oil, or is it because right now nobody has a clear idea about whether inflation is beaten or not, and what else central banks have to do? So the hold isn't the issue today, it's the dot plots, which almost certainly will show that the Fed is as divided as last time and as confused as the rest of us. It's Wednesday, the 20th of September, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So there is not much movement in the US dollar this morning, but the Aussie dollar has managed to climb 0.3%, up over 64.5 US cents. Small moves elsewhere. We've got a 0.2% move down for the yen, but generally it is quiet on currency markets. But bonds are a lot more feisty. Ten-year Treasury is up six basis points, uh, up to 4.36%. German 10-year bonds up three, but UK 10-year gilts are down five basis points to 4.34%. Aussie 10 years were down four yesterday to 4.16%, but back up to 4.21 on futures overnight. And shares falling again, 0.3% off the Dow at close, 0.2% down for the S&P, and a quarter percent down for the Nasdaq. The Russell 2000 down 0.4%, but a real mix. Even tech stocks are divided. So Apple is up 0.6%. NVIDIA is down 1%. Maybe AI isn't so great after all. Uh, And Amazon has lost almost 1.7% this morning. We've got small falls in Europe. Uh, The DAX closed down 0.4%, 0.4%, the FTSE 100 up, but not really, even managing a 0.1% gain. And oil was getting higher, but then it retraced itself a little. Brent got almost up to 96. It's uh, back down to 94.5 now, but there's a very clear trend, obviously, from around 83 to 95 in less than four weeks. So Taylor Nugent is with me today uh, on the morning call from NAB in Melbourne. So what have we got? We've got yields climbing, stocks struggling. In fact, 10-year Treasury yields peaked at 4.372%, which I think is the highest they've been since 2007. So markets seem to be prepared, don't they, for more from the Fed, even though the expectation is that they are not going to hike this time tomorrow. Yeah, good good morning, Phil. Yeah, I think... You know, summing up the the market movements overnight, we did have stronger Canadian inflation data, which helped um, directionally. But I think, you know, a bit of nervousness ahead of that Fed meeting on um, bright and early tomorrow morning, our time is is probably the the key theme in in markets in the last 24 hours or so. I think, you know, that move up in in longer end deals that you're talking about there, yeah, um, just touch getting above its its previous August high, so the, the highest since 2007 there, and just kind of continuing those themes that, you know, we've been talking about for some time now as, as those kind of longer end yields have, have pushed higher that, you know, given the resilience that is um, evident in, in a lot of indicators of, of US activity, even with moderation in, in inflation, it's hard to see that case for kind of rate cuts anytime soon. And that bias from, from Fed officials is probably going to be towards more hikes, even as, you know, they are, you know, almost universally expected to hold at, at the meeting tomorrow. So are we all hoping then we're going to get some direction from the Fed? When we get those dot plots, it's going to tell us what they're thinking. Because, you know, the last couple of times, it, it's shown us how there's just this immense variation in thought. Uh, it, so, you know, it'd be nice if we got a clear picture, but I suspect not. It's going to be as divided as ever. 
It, it would be nice given the uncertainty in the outlook. It probably is a little bit too mm. much to ask from from Fed officials. They're they're mere models as well, and they will be watching the data, and that will be you know making the case to to push them. But you know certainly we do get um, a good steer as to as to where their thinking is at the moment. We get new dots for for twenty twenty six this this meeting, and and you know dispersion out that far is likely to be to be very high for for obvious reasons. But there will be a lot of focus on whether that. That, that median dot for the end of 2023 continues to show one more hike. We certainly expect it. Um, it will continue to show one more hike. Um, and then also how many cuts are there through 2024 um, will also be in focus. In uh, Alongside these kind of higher for longer themes that we've been seeing and, and this um, sell-off in the longer end, I think there'll also be a lot of focus on that longer run dot. So there's been a lot of discussion recently about whether neutral rates have, have shifted higher. Jury's still very much out on that, but if the, if mm. the kind of the the mass of Fed officials' expectations for where rates are likely to settle in the longer run is, is edging higher, that would kind of, you know, add further weight to, to that kind of thinking. Yeah, because they are two big questions, aren't they? When do rates go down uh, and when do they go down to normal? And what is normal? Because, you know, 0.1% wasn't normal, was it? So what is the new normal? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, you know, um, my colleague Tapas and and I wrote about this in our our weekly yesterday as well, just kind of what are the the conditions that could see central banks stepping away from restrictive territory? I think, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, with central banks uh, in restrictive settings, they don't necessarily need to kind of pivot to full recession fighting mode and and put in a lot of cuts to, to take out some of that restriction. Um, so we've heard from, you know, Fed officials, Williams has been making this point that as inflation falls, real rates move higher. And so s- stepping down in the, the level of restriction in that normal policy rate could be useful to keep the the, um, the setting of monetary policy stable effectively. Um, and also as, you know, as inflation moderates, that outlook starts to become a bit more comfortable and, and progress is being made, then, then removing some of the restriction can be appropriate. Um, but, you know, given where we are at the moment, that still looks uh, a long way off. Um, and, you know, you would need to see a lot more progress um, on uh, inflation and also a reason in the activity data to pivot that focus towards providing a little bit more support for activity as inflation recedes. Um, and so, yeah, consistent with that kind of view as well that, you know, they're Central banks could be, you know, stepping away or, or normalizing back towards those those longer run levels eventually. Um, the the OECD had their interim economic outlook overnight as well, and kind of the key takeaway there, as well as a couple of overs and unders on on forecast revisions, was just that just again noting that that point that is is well made at this stage. The core inflation pressures remain elevated in a lot of advanced economies, and they're not really seeing room for cuts yeah. until well into twenty twenty four. There we are. You rammed together. A few stories that I'm not really needed at all. I could just let you keep going. But on those OECD forecasts, uh, which are just out, uh, their forecast for Australia, 1.8% growth this year and 1.3% next year. These are the GDP numbers. That's a slight revision down for next year from their June report, but not a great deal. But look at this US, 2.2% this year, up from 1.6% last time, and 1.3% next year, up from 1% last time. So just in the space of a few months, they've uh, predicted this you know, quite sizable increase in uh, US GDP. The 
the euro area, 0.6% this year. They were forecasting 0.9%, uh, then 1.1%, which is quite a bit down from what they were forecasting of 1.5%. So in a nutshell, US doing better than they thought, Europe getting worse. Uh, we've heard that quite a few times, haven't we? But uh, on the inflation side of things, yeah, you mentioned the, the Bank of Canada, and here we are. I mean, they've got rates at 5%, more than most. And yet inflation uh, is still going, uh, which I think was a surprise to many people. Yeah, that, that's right. So, yeah, the Bank of Canada still, um, you know, the risk that they that they need to do more, that, that um, CPI data coming in stronger than expectations up 4% year on year from 3.3% in July and faster than the 38 expected as well. So a bit of an upside surprise there. In terms of the drivers in, in August, unsurprisingly, this has been a theme in, in the CPI data that we've had for August around the world for August um, is higher higher fuel prices. That's, you know, one to watch out for in the UK tomorrow and Australia next week as well. Certainly unhelpful for that headline measure, um, but also, and probably more importantly, was a bit of an upside surprise to the core measure that the BOC is watching pretty closely as well. So um, the average of the, the trim mean and, and weighted median measures in, in Canada rose to 4% year on year. Um, that's above expectations for 3.7%. Um, and so, you know, part of that surprise was an upward revision, but it was also, you know, it certainly looks like the, the pulse of inflation recently, even on that core measure, um, is faster than the Bank of Canada would have liked and would have hoped. Um, and they often yeah. cite a, a three-month annualised uh, for that core. And that's... Well, exactly, that's which is why she's saying, Sharon Kaziki, the deputy governor, is saying it's all just part of the ups and downs of inflation. This is, it's not unusual, she said. So there we are, obviously a Tom Jones fan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so just, just, just quickly on that one, head, headline inflation fluctuations, not unusual, but yeah, Kaziki making that point that um, underlying inflation pressures are, are still above a level that is consistent with the Bank of Canada's target. Right, that usual asterisk that little caveat that uh, every central bank obviously gives uh, these days. So, what, But also, obviously, the question about oil. I mean, let's not ignore the elephant in the room. $100 were not there yet, but it might be short-lived. I mean, there's one analyst in the Wall Street Journal today pointing out that higher oil prices are going to make supplies more profitable for U.S. domestic production, and then China might import less because they're going to rely on the, the reserves that they've uh, stocked up from Russian and Iranian oil. So we could see production increase, demand dip. Therefore, you know, oil might hit $100, but it might be coming down again fairly quickly. Potentially, yeah. So we're not not at 100, 100 yet, but it certainly does seem to have been, you know, a fairly fairly consistent march in, in that direction over the last few weeks, certainly. I think, you know, those... Those points are, are well made. That the higher prices get, the the less reason that um, the um, there is for OPEC um, and OPEC Plus to be kind of managing supply to support prices. The the more attractive it is for those marginal producers to come in. So that could moderate uh, some of the gains as well. But certainly, when you look at where oil is now compared to. Uh, where it has been recently, it's it's very unhelpful for that headline inflation outlook. And central banks do their best to look through those kinds of shocks, but in an environment in which inflation is is well above target, is expected to remain there for some time, um, and central banks are conscious of those those risks on inflation expectations, these cost pressures, which are you know very visible to to households. The RBA made that point in the the minutes yesterday, which we'll touch on. Um, as well, that that um, fuel prices 
are um, very visible to households can feed through into household inflation expectations. Um, and so that's something that they're conscious of as well, even if that kind of, you know, the wiggles that they introduce into headline inflation may mm. not be the, the key driver of policy. The wiggle, you can tell it's an Australian bank if they're talking about the wiggles, can't you? So did we get much out of those uh, RBA minutes yesterday? I mean, I guess, I mean, the question was, are they going to at least consider a hike? I mean, if they hadn't, uh, then that would be a sign that, you know, as far as they're concerned, the cycle is all over. But they did. Uh, they did consider it. And in fact, uh, they said uh, the reasons for the pause is because the effects of a tighter monetary policy were not yet to be fully realised. Uh, you know, many would say that because we've got less people on fixed rate mortgages in Australia, not yet realised, you would have thought monetary transmission would be faster, wouldn't it? So the argument would be that the impact would be felt quickly. And if they, if, if it's not yet realised, could that be a sign that they just haven't done enough yet? Potentially, yeah. I think, you know, as as you say, they did again, um, you know, they held rates for the, the third straight month, as as we know, and the, the minutes do suggest that they the board again considered the case for a 25 basis point hike in September, even as they decided not to, so that, you know, that their guidance has been that some further tightening may be required and, and that they again considered that case for more tightening, you know, adds a little bit of weight to, to that guidance. There was a bit of a marginal twist that's probably worth mentioning. Nothing in there that really got any reaction from um, from market pricing and market expectations for the RBA, which is probably fair enough. But there was a, a small shift to their their guidance that it's now kind of more explicitly um, centered around inflation proving more persistent than expected. So, you know, that fun, that key sentence now says some further tightening in policy may be required should inflation prove more persistent than, than expected. Previously, that kind of explicit conditionality on, on an upside surprise wasn't wasn't there. Um, but certainly as, you know, as we look towards the, the flow of inflation data over over the third quarter, which is, you know, where the focus is now, um, there's, there's every chance that they do get that that upside surprise there on your point about whether um variable rate mortgages and that that faster biting cash flow channel in australia uh means that um you know we should be seeing the effects sooner the rba is is conscious of that and in the minutes they did mention that uh, outstanding mortgage rates in australia have risen faster and, and to a higher level than than a lot of um, other advanced economies even where central banks have moved um, policy rates to to a higher level um but but yeah as you say with the inflation challenges that we see uh, becoming evident over over the third quarter, um, there's every chance that the RBA does need to kind of resume tightening and act on that tightening bias, and we still pencil in a, a November hike. So here's a time when uh, pr- uh, rising prices is good. So overnight, the dairy prices, uh, the au- latest auctions, 4.6% up, uh, which is good for New Zealand after 2.7% last time, because before that, falls in prices uh, were, were going down right back to early May. So good news for the uh, for the New Zealand economy. Uh, so what about the ups and downs of housing? Then you just mentioned it for Australia. US housing starts not surprisingly down, but building permits for August are up a 6.9% month on month rise. I mean, that is just a permit, isn't it? It's just a bit of paperwork, uh, presumably for when times get better. But maybe that is a positive sign that people are looking through it all and thinking, well, yes, we are close to the end. It's a sign of optimism, if anything. 
Yeah, hard to take a clear signal. Very much mixed data out of the, the US on housing yeah. um, overnight. Um, so, yeah, as you say, starts fell, um, led by the more volatile apartment series down 26% um, month on month. But permits permits rose. And, and one thing to watch out for there, that, that weakness in, in housing starts was centred in um, in the west of the US. And there was some extreme weather there that may have kind of delayed or, or disrupted the, the usual schedule of, of starts. And so, you know, Right. Check back in next yeah. month to see whether some of that is that weakness is, is noise, I think. We will. We'll do that. OK, I'll make it. I'll just make a note in the diary for that. OK, now look here today, the uh, balance of trade numbers for Japan, uh, the Westpac uh, leading index, they're a bank too, apparently, uh, index for Australia. But more significantly, UK inflation, their core inflation rate, which has been moving down slowly, of course, 6.9% last time. I think the expectation is it's going to drop, but not a great deal. And uh, maybe, uh, you know, that's going to be important. Just one day out from the Bank of England, uh, there could be a bit of market sensitivity, I suggest, around those numbers. But really, the big news, obviously, just before our podcast tomorrow morning, the Fed decides, the dot plots, the press conference, we've got it all, we'll have it all for you uh, for tomorrow morning. So it's going to be an interesting 24 hours, isn't it? It is, yes, yes. Uh, the week certainly picks up towards the towards the back end of the week it after does. a quiet start. That's right. We've been pootling about for the last few days. Thank goodness. Uh, we'll catch you again soon, Taylor. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. And there we are. That's the morning call for this Wednesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back tomorrow morning. See you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>